How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. And bringing you today's episode is SeatGeek. Our friends over there have given us a new promo code, as we've mentioned a couple times throughout this month. And that promo code is LONBA. Again, that's LONBA for Locked On NBA. So I don't know. I don't even. I don't think our old promo code still works. So. Don't use that anymore, uh, but it's a new promo code. I'm still getting used to saying it. I'm still getting used to doing the reads with it, but it's L-O-M-B-A. Use that for a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase, so go out and use that today. Frank, we were talking, I think, earlier in the week. Uh, obviously, we're getting into a slower part of the schedule and maybe a, a part of the schedule where there's not going to be as much news, and we were talking yesterday and a little bit earlier today, like trying to figure out what we wanted to talk about, and then crazy news happened. Um, so we'll get to that in a second, but we, I wanted to talk about some news yesterday, and it's kind of interesting, I guess, just because there, w- there was essentially no one in the Derrick Rose market. Essentially no one. Like, like the Bucks were the team, and they had a meeting, and then nothing really happened of it. And then there was a very vaguely worded story from Chris Haynes that was very noncommittal that the Bucks in Derrick Rose's camp are thinking about trying to schedule a meeting for this week, possibly this week, whatever it may have been. It was, it was very noncommittal. And then all of a sudden, Thursday morning... The story breaks that, okay, the Cavaliers and Derrick Rose are in very serious talks for a one-year deal, and then all of a sudden it was the Lakers are in on it, and then all of a sudden it was the Bulls are in on it, and then for a second the Knicks were in, but now they're out, and now it's a three-team race and the Bucks are not involved in it, and I, I don't know, I, I guess it's just kind of interesting uh, to see that it doesn't appear that the Bucks' interest was was all that real, and and it, maybe it still is. Maybe they're gonna sweep in at the last moment and sign Derrick Rose. 
Um, but it's just kind of, I guess it's been interesting throughout this whole process. We've heard so much about the teams Derrick Rose is interested in and didn't really hear anything about the teams that are interested in Derrick Rose, and then all of a sudden there's a three-team race for him. Yeah, and I mean, to be clear, I think, I mean, even even the three seems charitable, right? Because it seems like the Cavs and Lakers had a legit sort of interest shown and I mean, like Sam Amick threw out the Bulls, and then immediately some of the Chicago writers were like, "Not what? Where did that come from?" There's no, you know, that the Bulls are not going to get back in this, and you know, I don't think there was any real expectation the Knicks would get back in it. So it's, it's just been a really, you know, I guess um, I'm trying to think like a very sort of put on kind of uh, bidding war, uh, where B.J. Armstrong has really had to sort of scrounge to manufacture kind of kind of competition for Derrick Rose's services and obviously you know I think early in the summer I, I don't know what Derrick Rose went into his first meeting with the Bucks asking for um, the Bucks had no real money to offer him or at least nothing close to probably what he was asking um, and obviously we've talked about how it would have been very difficult to create cap room and there really would have been you know if it was easy to create cap room the Bucks would have done it right if it was easy to trade John Henson for expiring or for you know uh, into cap space and, and take no money back if it had been easy to uh, get out from under you know even mirrors of Tladovich's contract you probably would have seen it happen because you know regardless of Derek Rose or not the Bucks we know are you know over the luxury tax as things stand right now so there's a lot of motivation to do that but they they didn't and they really didn't haven't had much you know financial flexibility and there was the rumor that you know I think right around when the Bucks first were linked he supposedly met with the Clippers and the Clippers went on and signed Milos Teodosic. So that seemed to kind of go by the wayside as well. So um, at this point, you know, I don't, I don't want to jinx anything. As someone who is not interested in Derrick Rose, I don't want to, you know, say like, oh, Bucks avoided, you know, dodge the bullet. You know, I'm just, I'm picturing the. Um, not, that's why I said last second the Bucks could sneak in and make that happen. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it seems like you know Jason Kidd came out and said flat out that the Bucks had interest in Derrick Rose um we don't know how pervasive that interest was across the organization we talked about why Jason Kidd you you might guess might have been the ringleader of the interest in uh Derrick Rose and um the fact that the Bucks have not swooped in and made a push for Derrick Rose uh when the word is he's looking at you know something close to the minimum from Cleveland potentially a little bit more from I think I think the uh uh, Lakers have the the room uh, mid level, which would be you know I think something on the order of four four point something million. So you know again not teams that are offering him eight to ten million bucks or something like that. And um, I think that is very understandable that this is where he would end up. You know being in looking at a couple million bucks a year or something like that. So the fact that the Bucks you know I mean like we talked about the Bucks could go and stretch Spencer Hawes and get under the luxury tax and have a you know. Two to three million, potentially even a little bit more, if they got rid of Gary Payton, they could, they could, you know, be in that conversation. But uh, for now, it doesn't seem like they are doing that. And I would think that would be, you know, again for all the reasons we've talked about, given his fit and the reasons that you're seeing people raise questions about him potentially fitting in L.A. or, or Cleveland as well. Um, you know, that's why we're also, well, we've also made the case why Derrick Rose doesn't make sense for the Bucks at this point. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling like, uh, you know, the, the, the scene in, in the Matrix, the bullet time sequence where, you know, Neo is, is bending over backwards and the bullets are, <laughs> you know, Derrick Rose is flying over this, this one, this one, uh, shoulder and, and all that. But, um, we'll see. That'll be my gift for next week if, if Derrick Rose is, uh, signs elsewhere. But, 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I would also say this, like as much as I didn't think Derek Rose made sense culturally, um, sort of stylistically for the Bucks, a team that, you know, obviously has struggled to really, sh- you know, get perimeter shooting and Derek Rose, as we've talked about, is probably the last guy to be able to bring that element. And as much as he can uh, still create some shots for himself in terms of, you know, mid-range shots, he can get to the rim still a little bit. Um, I actually... I'll say this. I mean, I don't think the fit in Cleveland is actually that bad in the sense that I don't think he's going to, I don't think Derrick Rose puts them over the top against the uh, Golden State Warriors. And we'll talk in a minute why potentially other moves may also make the Cleveland Cavaliers less likely to be put over the top. But, um, but I would say this. I mean, if you go to Cleveland and if a certain uh, starting point guard there was still around and Derrick Rose is just very clearly a backup. I think that's a positive thing. You know, again, Derrick Rose finally sort of being forced to embrace a new role, which again, in Milwaukee, does he embrace that? I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, behind Matthew, you know, Malcolm Brogdon slash Matthew Delvadova. I guess gonna, it would be no. Yeah. Is he going to happily be a backup in that scenario that might be less appealing to him? Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, and Cleveland has. I mean, Cleveland led the league in three pointers last year. I mean, people always think of the Warriors as being the team that's you know the the you know breaking you know through new barriers as far as shooting threes and changing the way the game is played. The Cavaliers shot more threes or made more threes last year than the Warriors did. Um, and so that is a team I think that actually probably could could stand to take a guy like Rose on a second unit. Um, and and maybe you know absorb some of his non-shooting uh, because they have so many shooters they can put around him. So so I don't know. I mean I think I, I, mean, I talked about it before. I, I think going to a veteran team where he's going to have a clear role and he's not going to feel like he needs to be MVP. Derrick Rose I think was would be a good thing for Derrick Rose. Um, and so that certainly might be the case in Cleveland. Um, I think with the LA I would worry about some of the same things that we worried about. You know, um, in LA obviously with Lonzo Ball they have you know, a very different situation where they obviously do have a clear point guard of the future. So I, I don't know. I mean, obviously you wouldn't expect Derrick Rose to start over Lonzo Ball, but um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't love the the fit necessarily there either, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to see other teams coming in and the Bucks seeming to recede into the background because as we've talked about, I, I just don't think Derrick Rose fit wise, long-term good to the franchise wise makes a lot of sense as a fan. I just don't want to root for Derrick Rose, but um, I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't want to, I don't want to count, count, uh, count on it before, before it happens. It sounds like it may not happen until next week, but um, it certainly at this point does seem like he's likely to go elsewhere. And um, I hope this is one of the last times we talk about Derrick Rose on this podcast. Yeah. I wouldn't mind not talking about him again until whatever team he ends up being on the Bucks play them. That would be probably ideal. But yeah, it, it, it I guess it kind of remains interesting because like you said, there there is some of that kid kind of stuff still hanging out. There's still some of that the owners like to make big splashes hanging out as well that maybe there is something still there. It's, it's starting to seem less likely, but it, it, like we've been kind of talking about throughout this whole time, like we've Neither of us have been a big fan of that move, and I guess it, it there's until he's signed elsewhere, there's still the possibility of that happening in Milwaukee. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. And something you'll have to keep an eye on is heading over to SeatGeek and keep an eye on any of the tickets that you want. Obviously, we talked about a little bit of a downtime here for basketball, but that doesn't mean you still can't find great tickets on SeatGeek for baseball. 
football preseasons right around the way, football regular seasons right around the way. All of those things will get going again, and you'll be able to find the best the best seeds, period, at SeatGeek. And it's so easy. On the app, you can see exactly where it's going to be in the arena, in the stadium. Uh, you're going to see exactly where it is. But then also the cool thing is if you click on the seats, you can also see what your view of the field, of the court, of the concert, whatever it may be, looks like from your seat. So it, the the app is great. It's super interactive. You can kind of see how everything is. And like we always say, they find the best deals for you. They search all the other ticket sites, and they get the deals for you. And they show it clearly on the map. You, you can see the dark green. You can see uh, the biggest dots. You can see the best deals. And it's also easy at SeatGeek. And we have a new promo code. And to use that promo code, it's the exact same way that you use the old one. You Download the app, go to the settings tab, go to enter a promo code, enter promo code L-O-N-B-A. Again, that's L-O-N-B-A for Lockdown NBA, and that'll get you a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. And if you already used that up, well, go to SeatGeek anyways. You're going to find the best deal on tickets for literally any event. So uh, go check that out today. Up next, Frank, uh, you teased it a little bit earlier. I, I think the, the rumor that kind of shook up all of, uh, not just Bucks Twitter, NBA Twitter, Twitter Twitter. Like it, my <laughs> my 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 timeline was on fire. It was insane. One, how many quote tweets of the original Windhorse tweet there were? Like there was 15 minutes of just people reacting to it with like what or whoa or no way or some sort of emoji, whether that was fire or hands over the eyes or hands on the cheeks with the mouth open or sunglasses, whatever it may be, it was a quote tweet of that tweet. So it kind of just exploded this afternoon. And normally you you put something out on a Friday afternoon and you can count on it being a news dump and not hear much about it. That was not the case. That was not a news dump. There, Everyone on earth was talking about that. Uh, and... Obviously, we're talking about Kyrie Irving wanting out of Cleveland. And uh, as you read the story from Brian Windhorst, uh, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. The first is one that LeBron was blindsided by it. That obviously he didn't hear about it today like all of us. He'd heard about it earlier this week. But he was totally shocked by that, that Kyrie wanted out. Um that I, I to me that was surprising that Kyrie didn't share that information with LeBron personally because that kind of seems like the thing you do with the best player on the planet. Uh, that that was kind of strange. Um, two the the idea that Kyrie wants to be the focal point and that's something uh, that as Windhorse mentioned throughout the afternoon that that's a, that's something Kyrie's mentioned before he mentioned it during the Eastern Conference Finals. He mentioned it uh, at the start of the finals about kind of how he tries to balance being his own person with also being on this great team and being a teammate of LeBron and how he struggled with that over time and kind of how he's tried to, to deal with that. And I, I don't know. I think it's, it's really interesting. Um, and before we start recording, I told you that I am kind of under the belief that there is some desire from Kyrie that, hey, I, I do want to, whatever you want to say, form my own legacy, 
be the focal point and have my own team, whatever it may be. He, there's some of that, but to me, I think the big thing is just I want out of Cleveland. Like I can see the right on the wall. The the Cavs have been a mess this entire summer. There's no way that LeBron signs up for another year. And again, I, there there's still a chance that he comes back to Cleveland. But I, I would think there's a lot of people saying, you know what, LeBron's not coming back. And if you're Kyrie, do you want to be on the post LeBron for a second time, Cavaliers? Like they're capped out. They don't really have a whole lot of moves to make. It. it could be really ugly in Cleveland when that bomb goes off and I don't know if you want to be the guy that's there so so to me a big part of this is just saying you know what Cleveland's a mess LeBron's gonna leave I want out get me out now do you do you believe that that is a good theory a bad theory or that I'm crazy (laughs) well it's it's probably a few different things right I think you start with uh, the stuff that as you said Kyrie has been pretty open at times about feeling like he can be the guy and having to sort of bide his time and play the role that you know his coaches ask him and that are dictated by playing with the player of LeBron's stature and I mean I've kind of I remember I think they were talking I think I think the ringer did a piece on this and they did a uh, they did a podcast where they touched on this earlier this summer and I kind of was like rolling my eyes at it because again Kyrie is one of those fascinating guys I think we've talked about this where I feel like especially as far as like a regular season impact guy goes I mean at this point it's hard to argue with some of the games he has played in the playoffs especially in the finals I mean the shot he made obviously in the 2016 finals some of the huge games he's had individually whether it was this year or last year um he is able on two on you know he he's kind of like on a one game you know basis one of those guys that you never want to count out as far as being able to potentially you know win a game almost on his own even at the highest level but at the same time you know all the kind of metrics on him you know he, the the Cavs I forget the number but the Cavs have been really I mean they're just straight up bad with when he's on the court and LeBron is off the court. I mean, he he is not a guy that has really shown. And, and obviously, you mentioned this. He was there before you know LeBron came back, and they weren't particularly good. And I think it was three years before he got there. Um, and obviously, he was very young in that period. So you know, I mean, not that you expect him to go leading the team to fifty wins a year, but there was no indication that Kyrie was sort of like the individual transformative superstar type guy who's going to lead them to you know. He, that he was sort of like that individual building block type guy. And, you know, part of it is because he doesn't really make any impact defensively. Part of it is because offensively he is, you know, one of the most talented individual scorers we've really seen at the point guard spot, you know, ever. But you know, he's not the kind of playmaker that, you know, a Chris Paul is. Obviously, he's not the kind of playmaker. I would argue even that like a Steph Curry is, right, in terms of making guys better around him. Um, and so he's so interesting because the talent is undeniable, but the impact is a little bit more deniable. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, there just isn't as much, you know, I, I think you look at the Cavs, like the Cavs record. Look at what LeBron did last year, right? I mean, LeBron, if the Cavs win 60 games, I think LeBron quite possibly wins the MVP last year based on the numbers he put up. I mean, he put up tremendous numbers, right? Kerr high in assists. Still scores a ton, is super efficient, rebounds, yep. does everything, right? Uh, maybe doesn't defend at a high level. But the idea that you could win 50 games or whatever 
and 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 whatever with LeBron James, the best player in the world, everyone's everyone agrees that you could only win that many games, finish second behind the Celtics in the East, finish what like a game technically a game or two ahead of the third and fourth seeds. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that Cleveland wasn't able to differentiate, I think, speaks to the fact that you know Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love just aren't guys who matter as much as sort of maybe the superstars that we think of them as. Um, and obviously Kevin Love's kind of been dragged through that a lot. You know, the questions about how good he really is and whether he's, you know, more good stats on a bad team type guy. But I think it's kind of a similar thing with Kyrie. Um, you know, this year put up huge scoring numbers, 25 points a game. Um, his usage rate was virtually identical to LeBron's this year. He took more shots than LeBron. He took almost 20 shots a game this year. It's hard to look at what Kyrie did this year and say like, oh, he's feeling this way because he doesn't get enough touches or something like that. Um, no, I, I, not, I, not I, this year. <laughs> I can only think it's more of a, I don't know, more, and I don't want to say selfish, but it, it, it's sort of a bigger thing where, he he at this point you know he's won an nba title he's played at the highest level had these incredible games at the highest level and you know for the reasons i mentioned people still view him as you know riding lebron's coattails right not a guy who's going to lead his team anywhere individually and so i i don't know when i when i heard all the stuff about not wanting to play with lebron i mean on some level it's 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 ridiculous it makes kyrie look bad because Everybody in the league wants to play with LeBron, right? And the one other guy you could say is superstar-ish who actually does get to do it. Now suddenly he's like, oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm over it. Um, but I think a lot of it is not necessarily even like, oh, he doesn't want to play with any other stars. And that, that's obviously been a lot of the criticism today. Is what well, he wants to go what what he wants to go to a bad team and and put up big stats on a crappy team or a 40 win team or something like that. Well. You know, if you look at the teams that he said he was open to being traded to or that he would prefer, he's listed San Antonio, where, I mean, they have Kawhi Leonard, so clearly yep. he'd be going and playing with another superstar there. He listed Minnesota, which has, you know, Towns and now Jimmy Butler, who <laughs> I would Can argue you, are... Could you imagine Jimmy Butler going through this again? Like, he went through it with Derrick Rose and that power struggle. And he thinks he escapes to Minnesota, and now he has to go through it again with Kyrie Irving. And we haven't. And you just mentioned Towns. Like Towns would have to be third in that packing order. Good God, what a disaster! Well, I mean, an, an enviable disaster, right? Um, but I think is a lot though? of it is. Well, I mean, I mean, ultimately, you need. I mean, look at look what the look where the bar is at this point against the Warriors. I mean, would you rather roll with Jeff Teague? You know, like, I mean, you're going to have to give something up, but, um, you know, like, does, is, is Wiggins and Wiggins and Jeff Teague, for instance, are those guys, you know, going to put you over the top against Man, that is three dudes I do not love. Yeah. So anyway, I, I think, but, but the point was that Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving are close. Um, and I think I was listening to the, uh, Bill Simmons podcast with Jimmy Butler. And I think actually on the podcast, he mentioned that Kyrie Irving was, tw- was texting him about getting a game together in LA or something. So it seems like they're close. So I think it's more just kind of, it depends, right? Like Kyrie Irving will play. I'm, I'm guessing Kyrie yeah. Irving would have no problem playing with stars. It just has to be the right people that he wants to play with. And I guess Kawhi Leonard counts, I guess, you know, the guys in Minnesota count. Um, and it's probably just, you know, LeBron is on such a different level from every other star that, on, you know, it, it just seems like he feels like, well, I'm, I can't quite, you know, feel like I can ever be 
the guy. Or, <laughs> There's or the, no one A, one B with LeBron no, James. You no. are two, period. Right. And I guess you could argue, like, I mean, it's ridiculous to me. You know, I mean, it's flat out. It's it's ridiculous, and we'll talk about you know where if, if there's any room for the Bucks to, to to sneak in. But I mean, I think if you're another team, obviously this this would be a bit of a red flag, right? The idea that you know if you have Giannis or some other star in your team that you know, well, is Kyrie Irving going to be okay playing with that guy? Like, is is you know, is Kyrie going to be pissed if that guy is perceived as being better than him? I mean, that that's, that's more that's, what I was talking about with the T Wolves. Yeah. Like, Kyrie Irving's not your guy. Carl Anthony Towns is your guy. Right, like I know you've brought in Jimmy Butler, but the guy you want to build for the future is Carl Anthony Towns. So, well, but I think I think you could say I think Kyrie could could at least feel like he's the co guy at least, right? Like it wouldn't be sure you're playing with LeBron, who's the second greatest slash potentially greatest player of all time, right? Yeah. So, I, so I don't know. I mean, it it kind of gets into like all the the nuances of superstardom and how put guys legacies are perceived and all this other crap. And, you know, on some level, it, it, I mean, on a fundamental level, it's like ridiculous that anybody would, would view playing with LeBron as a negative. Um, so I, I think for Kyrie's sake, you hope that the shit show that is Cleveland and their GM situation and their ownership situation and the rumors about LeBron leaving to your point. I mean, I think you would hope that that was also a part of why Kyrie may be saying like, you know what? Maybe now is a good time for me to try to push for an exit. But, I'm just fascinated uh, that that wasn't what his camp went with. Like, why why not go with that? Like, be like, oh, you know, we have some questions about who's in charge. We have some questions about ownership and how this is all going to go down. And, like, because, I, I, I mean, they had to know that this story was coming out. And they certainly had to help with the release of this story. So part of me just wonders, like, why not just go with that instead of... But again, maybe that's just because that's the way Kyrie feels, that he is one of those guys. But I don't, just, the entire thing is, uh, I don't know, just very interesting to me. Because to me, it feels like his camp could control the narrative. Like, if they really wanted to, they could control the narrative. And Dan Gilbert has been such a disaster as an owner that you could... That could be your reason. Like, yeah, that, you don't trust Cleveland. Okay, yeah, that's totally... Everyone would believe it. I'd believe it. <laughs> that's what's so interesting about this, right? Because, you know, there was stuff about the Cavs being, you know... I don't know what the word is. Upset or, you know, kind of thrown a bit. Because this obviously makes it more complicated to, to, to try to shop him, right? Where, mm-hmm. where everybody's now talking about him needing to be moved. Um, by the same token, Kyrie is... There, there are going to be a lot of teams that... that you know, will want Kyrie, whether, you know, whether he's overrated, whether he really helps you win sure. as much as, you know, whatever those things. I mean, I think Kyrie is, is he's 25 or going to be 25. He has two years plus a player option left on his deal. He's relatively cheap compared to most guys at this point. I think he's like yeah, 17 he or 18 million yeah. a year, something on that order. Um, this is the time to trade him, actually. So I think, you know, as we kind of get into this, I think that's one of the ironies of this is that this, this is, you know, this is not a situation like the Paul George deal where he's expiring and he says he's definitely leaving free agency or the Mello situation where Carmelo has a trade, um, a no trade clause and he's older and, you know, the team's sort of over a barrel. The, the Cavs actually have an opportunity to potentially, I would argue, even potentially get better because of some of maybe the ways that, that Kyrie doesn't complement what they have. And, you know, for some of the reasons why Kyrie maybe doesn't 
um, deliver as much as you know what his his name brand might suggest he does. Um, so on on some level, it may, this may not be the worst thing, but I do agree. Still, it's it's a really irrelevant talking point for you know every team in the East, even if you aren't looking to trade for him. It's a destabilizing event. Um, I, to your to your point, it is weird because you would think Kyrie's camp would be the one that would leak this because this would help push to get him out if there was a lot of you know if there was a lot of controversy around it and if yep. there was you know a lot of pressure on the on the Cavs to do something um leaking this would would seemingly probably make it more likely that that something does get done but as you said it also you know if it's going to happen you would try to source it as being oh it's because the Cavs are a shit show and yeah. because of x y and z and not because of Kyrie doesn't want to play with LeBron which is like the most obvious way to make Kyrie look stupid and egotistical and completely oblivious to, you know, the reality of the NBA's power structure and all that other yeah. stuff. So, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting that it came out the way it did. And I, you know, again, I'm not sure where, where exactly it came from, or, you know, maybe it was both sides, right? Maybe it's Kyrie's camp leak something. And then somebody in the Cavs gets hold of it and gets asked about it. And then they raise the whole LeBron thing as the yeah. defense against it. So maybe it's sort of like already sort of the two factions warring against each other just For in sure. the way that it came out. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating because whether or not, you know, we'll see what happens as far as if a trade happens, they don't have to trade him, right? That's important to start with. They can just sit and wait out and just say, right, you guys got to figure it out. The Cavs have dealt with, you know, friction and controversy before, maybe not to this extent, but, um, but it, it is interesting because the Cavs don't have don't have the same pressure to do something the way a team like Indiana might have. Um, but it, it obviously does not make the job of what Kobe, Kobe Altman is that is that the name of the, their new GM Cody Altman the the assistant GM who now in the you know power vacuum has been elevated to uh, it seems like the the full time GM job. Um, so welcome to welcome to day one, Cody. Here's your uh, here's your first controversy trying to manage. You know, a blindsided LeBron who may be leaving in a year, and oh, by the way, Kyrie Irving wants to be traded. So the East, man, the East is uh, it, it is. It, let's just say this: it. I mean, I think Cleveland was at least somewhat vulnerable next year, um, and now obviously even more questions are going to be raised about that as far as uh, who's even going to be on that roster next year. Uh, it's Kobe, Kobe Altman, K O B Y Altman. Uh, Noted. Just uh, again, just so we get that right, and don't have the Kobe Altman camp uh, coming and knocking on the lockdown box door because that'd be scary. Avid, avid pod listener. <laughs> uh, but I, the, I guess the thing I struggle with is so, like you said, this is a big moment for the Eastern Conference, but at the same time, it's also a moment that could make the Eastern Conference stronger like if he gets dealt with to a team in the East and obviously we heard a number of teams but at the same time like he doesn't have a no trade clause he's got two years left on his deal he's got an affordable contract so for many of the same reasons we had talked about like Chris Middleton being interesting intriguing whatever maybe like Kyrie's those same things and then also has the cachet of he was a guy that in the finals hit some big shots and he's had huge postseason performances and he has all of that and he, he has more points per game and he's been an all-star a number of times. Like there's a lot more there and again, no trade clause. So literally any team can get in on this. So I would assume that there's going to be a lot of good deals out there. 
And I guess I just kind of wonder if, like you said, if he gets traded away and the Cavaliers do well in a deal, and I think there's a number of ways that they could do well, and we can get into that a little bit, but if they do well and actively improve their team, and I think it was, Tom Habershaw tweeted out that it was uh, minus 120 with Kyrie on the floor and LeBron off this year. I can't remember uh, what the minutes were, um, but that's significant. <laughs> that that does not speak well to what Kyrie Irving uh, can add to you, kind of as a, as a player. So maybe they they figure out a way to make the bench unit, and it was minus one twenty in six hundred thirty five minutes uh, with Kyrie on and LeBron off. So that's not insignificant. So I do wonder if they make that trade if they get better, and then also if he gets traded in the Eastern Conference if that makes another team better as well. So then all of a sudden maybe you have the Cavaliers who are as formidable or more formidable. You have the Celtics who obviously have improved this offseason and then maybe you have that third team and if he gets traded to a playoff type team maybe you have that third team that slides into the third spot there. So uh, it's I thought we were done with shakeups this offseason and I guess I should have known better. Uh, just because the NBA offseason now seems to deliver something every week, seemingly almost every day at this point. Uh, so I guess I should have expected it, but this could really throw some things off in the Eastern Conference and maybe bring a little bit more balance to the Eastern Conference and maybe help the Eastern Conference improve. I know that's been a major talking point, that East-West uh, imbalance. So so maybe this helps out a little bit, but I, I just don't know which way it goes. So I don't know if teams improve, if the Cavs get much worse. I don't know what people end up giving up for Kyrie Irving. I just don't know how this affects the Eastern Conference and the league as a whole, but I do know that it does affect the league as a whole. Yeah, and to put some some more numbers around that, so via our good friends at NBAWowie.com, um, founded by our friend Evan uh, Zamir, who who was a long time ago a podcast guest of ours with, with Steve Von Horn. Um, so on NBA Wowie, 632 minutes Kyrie played without LeBron this year, 106.7 points per 100 scored, 114.7 allowed, so minus eight points per 100 with Kyrie on the court and LeBron off the court, which is just kind of crazy when you think about, you know, again, I know the Cavs aren't, you know, the greatest team in the world with that. When you take away LeBron, obviously LeBron is like the key guy for them, but they have tons of guys who compliment Kyrie Irving too. Right. I mean, they have a ton of shooters. Um, they have Kevin love who is an all-star. Yeah. Um, I was today. I was, I'm trying to think what, what arguing show I was watching and maybe, Oh, I think it was uh, it was the SE six with Jamil Hill and uh, Michael Smith, and Jamil was talking about how well maybe those units didn't do so well because they weren't built for Kyrie; they were built for LeBron. And I was like, "What? What would a unit look like that was built for Kyrie as opposed to one that was built for LeBron?" Like, I I, I don't think I, I really understand that because it's the same general idea, like. Go score a shit ton of points and put a bunch of shooters on the floor and give yourself space. And, like, that wasn't something – like, they weren't able to outscore teams. Yeah, and Kyrie was tremendous scoring. I mean, without LeBron, 630 points in 632 minutes. 
so a point a minute on 58% true shooting, you know, per yeah. 36, I'll do the math. That's about 36 points <laughs> per 36 minutes. Um, you put Kyrie on a you know random team and just let him go nuts. I don't know if he'd average 36, but he could definitely be an NBA scoring champion. Maybe that's something that's appealing to him. Maybe he wants to prove that he can be more of a playmaker and assist guy. I don't know. I mean, you know, definitely... he he is a Kobe guy. He is a Kobe guy. Um, so so yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of questions about that. Um, but but yeah, I think it's just it just gives us one more big unknown heading into. Uh, late July, which uh, again, just as when just when we thought that maybe we were kind of settling down and figuring out where all the chess pieces were going to land here, um, now we have another one that that might be be changing positions and and potentially, um, you know, again, just dramatically. Uh, I don't know if you know, like you said, I don't think the Cavs are going to be put in a situation where they become way worse, right? Like I don't think they're going to trade Kyrie for, sure. for just like some young guys who are no nowhere close to contributing, like you know. Uh, I mean, if LeBron came out tomorrow and said, trade me, then okay, then maybe the Cavs go into full rebuild mode. But yeah. I think I think the fascinating thing for Cleveland is they still have a one-year window, basically, right? As of now, they still kind of have to plan around a one-year window. And so if you do make a Kyrie trade, you kind of have to be short-sighted a little bit, don't you? I mean, and maybe this kind of leads into also, you know, where other teams, including the Bucks, might fit into a potential trade discussion, but you can't go and trade it for multiple future picks at this point, right? I mean, if you're Kobe Altman, now that I got that right, um, <laughs> if you're Kobe Altman, like you can't just bail on LeBron at this point. You have to make your best shot at keeping LeBron happy, and that has to involve getting back maybe not an individual player as good as Kyrie Irving, but potentially a guy who maybe fits a little bit better. And maybe another piece or two that that adds some depth and and hopefully makes you as good or better than you were, right? Or I don't know what what's kind of your you know like especially as we think about this, you know, a lot of Bucks fans are going to want to think about constructing a trade that you know might be interesting, right? Using the trade machine. I mean, how would you think about what would need to be included in a trade in order to get Kyrie Irving? Especially given that I don't know. I think like I said, I think there's going to be a robust market for him. I don't think you're going to get by lowballing and then the Cavs getting desperate, right? They don't have to do anything. So what might interest the Cavs at this point or what are the kind of parameters of a deal that you would expect them to look for? The wings, all of the wings. Like I just feel like that's one thing where they are deficient in and against the I mean against the Warriors you just need bodies that you can throw at guys that can switch on to different defenders that can just handle their business there um so 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 you're not building around Amon Shumpert and Kyle Korver and Richard Jefferson is that what you're saying ideally no um I, I would like to get a little bit younger a and little bit Smith. more Don't athletic about J.R. Smith um <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit more trustworthy so to me I think that's where it goes and then also I mean I think your hope would be that you have guys that can play, that can contribute this year, but then you probably need at least one, uh, probably blue chipper. I think that would be the word to say. Like one guy for sure that has star potential that could be a guy that after that year is up with LeBron that could lead that team going forward. Um, I think my favorite trade that I've drawn up thus far, and again, the trade machine is 
a good thing and also a bad thing because getting work. It's getting overtime work. Right? We may, it, we may, people may burn out the trade machine this weekend. <laughs> they might. Um, the one I like the most is with the Denver Nuggets, and the, I'm, I mean, I was kind of thinking in a similar vein to some of the Middleton trades that we had drawn up, and obviously you should get some more for Kyrie Irving as opposed to to Chris Middleton, but I, I thought. You start with Gary Harris and Jamal Murray, and then you throw in whichever wings you kind of like. They have Wilson Chandler, which helps even out the money for Kyrie because he's got an $11 million deal for the next three years. Uh, You got Will Barton in there, uh, Trey Lyles, Malik Beasley. You have a number of wings that you can throw in there as well. And I think, uh, again, depending on how you feel about Gary Harris, and I know – Zach Lowe talked about it on his podcast today about how much he likes Gary Harris and maybe that uh, Ryan Russell was blaming him for the Gary Harris hype train getting a little bit out of control. But I think with Gary Harris and Jamal Murray, Murray gives you some of that scoring, some of that shooting. Obviously, the the Cavs shot more threes than anyone else this year. He can do those same things, and both Murray and Harris have some of that star potential. Maybe certain, probably certainly not to the same level as Irving, but both guys that can play and Gary Harris is kind of that two-way guy that can do uh, some of that stuff so that that's kind of the one I favor but I, I think there's a number of teams again this is literally the whole league bidding essentially um, there, there's no trade clause anything like that so the, anyone can throw their hat into the ring so really it's whoever figures out the best way to use their assets or has the best young talent and can put the best package together yeah and I think the 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 interesting thing here that that doesn't play into most other situations is you have the GM LeBron factor, right? And, you know, I think doing a deal where you get a big package of really talented young guys from the, mm-hmm. from the Nuggets, um, I think especially Harris, like, and, and as we've talked about, maybe, maybe Kyrie not being as impactful as uh, the flash that he provides might suggest um, you might not really lose much of anything with that group and subbing them in, especially relative to some of the other guys, the buck, the, the Cavs play even beside Kyrie. But, um, but yeah, I mean, my reaction would be, I don't think there's enough there to make LeBron happy. Probably and true. That's, that's what's so interesting is, is, you know, Kobe Altman is, is, uh, and I, every time I say it, I keep thinking Cody Alderman. no, Kobe Altman, you'll, you'll correct me if I get this wrong, but Kobe Altman has to weigh that, you know, and and decide, am I sealing LeBron's exit with this trade? You know, am I getting a return where LeBron is going to look at it and say, or is it already sealed with like, Kyrie? or is it already yeah. sealed? Exactly. Oh man, it's yeah. So like, tough. are you, you know, do you? Are, is it already too late? You know, is it silly to do that? Um, you know, you think a little bit back to what the uh, Thunder did trading Serge Ibaka, um, and obviously Serge Ibaka and Kyrie Irving are very different types of players in many, pretty much every way. But um, but when they did that, that was right before the Durant free agency in Oklahoma City, and they got you know Sabonis and Victor Oladipo basically in that trade. And for the most part, that was viewed as a pretty solid move, even though it was trading for younger guys, you know, neither of whom might be better than what Serge Ibaka had brought them previously. And maybe Kevin Durant wouldn't have viewed them as being as good as, as what Serge Ibaka brought. But 
Um, but they, you know, they made that call. And I don't think that led to Kevin Durant leading or anything like that. Um, but it's a difficult move when you have a superstar and there's no superstar who is as <laughs> involved in, you know, being kept happy in, in terms of GM moves as, as LeBron. So that would be my critique of that kind of move. I, you know, I think as far as star power, I don't know if there's enough star power in that move to kind of keep LeBron happy. And I don't know, you yeah. know, again, you can argue, you can argue maybe that there no, there is no centerpiece guy in that move that that you would need. And what I do find interesting though is, and and really, I mean, keep in mind, like again, Kyrie has two years left on his contract before he can opt out. He doesn't have a no trade clause. Like his ability to dictate where he goes is is diminished relative to you know Carmelo, obviously, who has a no trade clause, but also Paul George, who you know can spook everyone by saying I'm going to go to L.A. in a year and and don't give up any value for me. Um, Kyrie can't do that quite as much. So him saying my preferred destinations are, as we said, San Antonio and Minnesota, but then also Miami and New York, two places where obviously he would be a bigger star, where he'd be the clear kind of centerpiece. Arguably, Porzingis, you know, is is a more valuable asset. You could argue, I, I would rather have Porzingis than Kyrie, for instance. But um, certainly, from like a scoring and who's who's getting the ball, you'd expect Kyrie to be more the guy if he went to New York. But but it's interesting because like I think about the packages that those teams can make. I mean, what package are the Spurs making? You know, that is going to really knock the Cavs socks off. There you know? isn't one. I mean, Dejounte Murray, I think, is a Rich Paul guy. I know Dejounte Murray was sitting with. LeBron James, but does LeBron James want to go to war with Dejounte Murray in his one of his you know last prime seasons in the league? I don't think so. Um, you know who Davis Bertans, Lamarcus Aldridge does Lamar is does does LeBron want LeBron Lamarcus Aldridge on his team? I mean, I'm sure that and Aldridge the, is already more expensive than Kyrie. Yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. I was so, I was looking at the Spurs before and it's brutal. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Minnesota, if you, especially if you put Wiggins in play, their their biggest problem is Jeff Teague, who would be an obvious guy to ship back to Cleveland because they would need a point guard. Um, he can't be traded until December 15th. So that, you know, that kind of complicates things, because if you're going to trade Kyrie back, I mean, I would argue, you know, if I was going to say, what do you want back? I would agree. Wings would probably be the position you'd, you'd want, you know, a really good wing and you want a good point guard or somebody you'd feel comfortable, you know, starting at, at the yeah. point and feeling like, okay, like LeBron's not going to look at that guy and say, screw this guy. I can't believe you're forcing me to go against the warriors with, with point guard X in Kyrie's place. Um, so, so I think, I think, yeah, a wing and a point guard would be sort of the two obvious starting points. And, you know, Miami, uh, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not a fan at all of what Miami did this summer, just sort of doubling down, throwing huge money at role players. Maybe there's some scenario with Goran Dragic being, you know, a good enough point guard to play with LeBron. I think he could certainly make some sense with LeBron. Plus, I don't know. I mean, Justice Winslow, does Justice Winslow matter at this point in the NBA? Does he help you win a championship? Probably not. Maybe he has some upside, though, that that a team would like. He can defend multiple positions, which could be useful in the short and long term. Um, I don't know if any of the other guys they have um, Richardson, others might might be of interest to to Cleveland, but that you know they don't, they also don't have a lot of first round picks in the future because they've dealt some of those away. So Miami might be a tough tough move to make. And I was gonna say too, like I feel like Kyrie's I don't I don't know if I want to say the antithesis, but awfully close of being a Pat Riley guy. Like for as much as he preaches culture and sacrifice and and doing all those things, well, you're gonna trade for a guy that doesn't want to play with the best dude in the world. Like, that doesn't seem like a Pat Riley move to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, and I mean, and New York, I think, is even less positioned to make a move because, you know, arguably maybe their best ship right now. Um, and they've already, it's already been talked that, you know, they said they won't trade Chris Epps for Zingas for Kyrie. Um, that might be an interesting question whether push comes to shove, whether they would, would really not do that. Um, but let's assume that they, they wouldn't do that. I mean, who are the Knicks giving up that would interest the Cavs? I mean, Frank Nilakina is not the guy that LeBron is fired up <laughs> to play next to next year as much as we might really like Nilakina as a prospect. And I would be thrilled to have Nilakina on my roster, but not if I'm trying to win the title next year. And other than that, I mean, Billy Hernan Gomez. <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's just not a lot there. I mean, Carmelo is is a guy who's been mentioned. That might be the way that you would make LeBron happy, but it'd be a weird deal, right? Because it would have to be like Carmelo, who shouldn't have much trade value, nowhere near Kyrie Irving trade value, and then other stuff, right? Like, can the Knicks throw in first round picks and Nilakina, and do you strike yeah. the balance there, right? It'd be kind of weird because it's like you'd use Carmelo to keep LeBron happy, and then you'd use Nilakina and future picks to like make the deal actually worthwhile <laughs> to the future of the Cavs. Like, yeah. it, it, maybe there's something there, but I don't know. I it, it'd be a weird fit. Yeah, and I know Ian Bagley just reported that the Knicks are willing to throw multiple first rounders in there, which is just crazy because they've traded so many away. And uh, in the tweet, I think it detailed that it would be like the 20 and I don't even know 20 pick in a 2022 I don't know how they'd work it out because obviously uh, there's a number of rules in place to keep you from trading away all of your first round picks um, which the Knicks have have struggled with uh, so that that would be really interesting but yeah I, Melo and LeBron that ain't getting it done it's just not and again I don't know if Melo, Kyrie and LeBron and Kevin Love was getting it done. Like, I don't think that team was getting it done. So take Kyrie out of the mix. And I think that's also part of what makes this so interesting is that so often we've seen these shift in the the balance of power in the league. So many, we've, so many, so many times when we've seen these shifts, it's been because someone as a free agent has been able to kind of dictate where they go. Or with Paul George, a guy with one year left on his deal was kind of able to – let people know where he wanted to go. Chris Paul this year, even though uh, that was a trade, he dictated where he wanted to go. This time, like you're not dictating where you want to go, and the Cavs need to get value back for Kyrie. So there, there's no way that you're just adding value uh, to your team. Like You're going to have to give that package up, and we've seen so many teams, and I, as I'm looking at the Knicks roster, yeah, that's what happened with the Mellow deal. Like They gave up everything to get mellow and then they didn't have a roster it's funny and as we've been sitting here i'm like literally like talking myself into the idea of this weird you know lebron making lebron happy with carmelo and then throwing in a bunch of other stuff to sort of make the rational people hopefully they have in the front office happy so i I don't know i mean maybe that maybe that is a solution that would work um and and again i don't know i don't know what that would really mean for the knicks i mean i i guess if you could somehow turn Carmelo and some future assets into Kyrie. Uh, I mean, in theory, that they're they're better off. Like, I mean, relative to a lot of other moves, they maybe that would be okay. But yeah. you know, again, there's a big difference between three future first rounders or Neil Akina and two future first rounders. You know, there's a big difference between 
you know, three of those things plus Carmella versus one or two of those things, probably, especially given that you would need to get a ton of help around Kyrie and, and Chris Stapps. And you've got so much dead weight on the on the books other than that. So um, so it is interesting. But I, so let's are we ready to talk a little bit about how the Bucks, you know, if they wanted to get into this? What, I'd love what, to. OK, so we talked a little bit about the parameters of of what a deal might have to look like to to make Cleveland listen. Um, and FYI, a, a, I, a wing, a point guard, and something else probably. So, what do you, what do you think? What, where, where do you start with on the Bucks roster? I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to like freak people out, but I feel like the Bucks, if they're, if the Cavs are serious about trying to please LeBron, like I think the Bucks have a pretty decent package that can get that done. Because one, we talked about Chris Middleton and his value league wide, three and D guy a guy on the wing that can do some things. And again, that's exactly what you're looking for. And among wing three and D guys, Chris Middleton's one of the five to 10 best in the league. Is that a stretch? I I don't, I don't know that it is. So he's one of the best in that role. So you already have that. You talk about a player that you can count on from the point guard position. I would assume Malcolm Brogdon would be that. And, again, in the pipe dream of all pipe dreams for Bucks fans, it'll be like, well, Delhi could be that guy. I, again, I, I don't think that would be the case. I think the Cavaliers would you gotta, say. You got to hope that Le- GM LeBron is still in love with <laughs> Delhi, man. That would be the hope. But the non-pipe dream version of that would be Brogdon. And then I guess after that is kind of where it would get interesting. And I, I just I ran a poll this afternoon I put it up for four hours and asked people if, uh, again, I I wanted this as the starting point to figure out where we could go from here, and I'll probably run some other polls over the weekend, but I asked, would you trade Chris Middleton for Kyrie Irving? And it was 74% yes, 26% no. And in my mentions, I got replies that were, I could not do this fast enough. Why would anyone say they would not do this and then i also had, i think i think people were competing to say who would have clicked fast enough right some I, of our yes our dear friends of the pod were arguing about who could click fast enough which is interesting because i think a lot of those people myself included are chris middleton fans and would describe them as somewhat skeptical of kyrie irving but i think yeah. there was still this general feeling that it was a it, you know and, and again we're not saying that that would be on offer from the Cavs, but just in terms of pure value that that people would roll the dice on that but then I also had people that were like, how could you ever give that up for Kyrie Irving? Like he, he wants to be the focal point. He would block Giannis. He doesn't play any defense. Chris Middleton does all those things and fits so well. Like How could you trade those? So, again, it was 74-26 as far as people who would do it against people who wouldn't do it. But on both sides, people were very vocal um, in saying, like, how could you pick the other choice? So I, I guess that was just interesting to me that one that it was, I, I guess I kind of want to say as close as that was. I, I was thinking it's probably going to be like 80-20, um, maybe even a little bit higher that people would do it. So uh, maybe all of my standing for Chris Middleton has paid off over the years and people realize how valuable he is. But I do think that speaks to, how good the Bucks package could potentially be. And also the Middleton would would kind of be would have to be the centerpiece. 
there's a, a number of people that have said like, well, I'd prefer not to do it with Middleton. I'd rather do it with Jari Parker. Like, no, that's that's a straight no. The, you you have no idea what Jabari Parker is. You have no idea what his value is. There's no way that a team is taking him as the centerpiece of a deal for their all-star point guard who's killed it in the finals and had all the done all those things. Like, there's no way you can take Jabari Parker as the centerpiece for that deal. So, to be clear with Bucks fans, I I literally cannot imagine a deal that does not have Chris Middleton as the centerpiece. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I I would agree. You would want to make Jabari the the, the centerpiece for oh, the same that reason. That would be wonderful. For for the same reason that the Cavs would not want Jabari as the centerpiece, which is that the Bucks obviously have lots of questions about how well will Jabari come back? Can he ever defend at a high level high enough? Can he complement uh, you know uh, your other kind of key guys, namely Giannis, uh, in the most productive way and in, 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 a, in an idealized way? Um, you know, I, I I think they could play together if if Jabari was healthy and and got back to somewhere close to physically where he used to be. But that's a big question mark. And then you know, defensively, um, especially in the playoffs where we see now weak links are just exposed over and over and over again. And good teams, great teams, figure out ways to do that. Jabari Parker is you know by de- the definition of a weak link on defense um, from everything we've seen. And um, it, you know the, the the bar is is clear that that he has to hurt clear that, and it's not going to be easy for him to ever do that. And and you know reach maybe the potential he has, but but yeah, I mean I think the biggest problem is like we said until further notice, the Cavs have to do whatever they can to be great next year and and give lebron a chance to win a title trading for jabari parker who probably won't play until after the all-star break and who probably won't be nope you know anywhere close to what you would hope he'll eventually be it's a hard until i mean it, it he just makes no sense now if it was chris middleton plus jabari parker then that's obviously a different story because then you can say well you know chris is your your initial centerpiece guy and he's going to help you win potentially a championship next year if things go well and jabari's kind of the the lottery chip, you know, the or the lottery ticket, you know, potentially, who knows if he gets back to what he was, um, they, you have something potentially extremely valuable. Um, I'm sure no Bucks fans wants want to do both of those guys, and um, but but realistically, um, I, I think it certainly, as you said, it would be start with Chris and then you know build build from there. Um, I, I would agree. Like if you're trying to just build the raw materials up as far as filling, you know, ticking the boxes on what Cleveland would need, um, you know, you'd start with Chris. You would. You know, he's got two years left on his deal, so it matches up with with Kyrie. They, I think, they have the same basic player structure in terms of them have both have, having player options that they would almost certainly decline um, going into I think the 1920 season. So it matches up that way. You do have a two-year runway here. Next year is the focus with LeBron. You've got a guy who can play off LeBron. Um, I don't think Chris Middleton is going to lock down Kevin Durant in the finals. Um, but at least you have another guy you can start who could at least defend a little bit. Uh, Kevin Durant and wouldn't necessarily demand LeBron do it for 48 minutes. Um, and obviously he can play off ball. He That's can, the big thing. Zach was talking about that today on his podcast. That Just don't make LeBron cover Durant for the entire series. Like just that alone is wildly helpful. Like that that is hugely uh, it would be a big factor cuz you just watch LeBron and he, he would have to cover Durant after doing what he needed to do offensively and 
I, I think that's just a, hu- a superhuman effort because, one, you talked about Middleton not being able to cover him. Well, no one can. Like, no one can cover Kevin Durant. That's not, there's not a human being on earth that can do that. So just making sure that LeBron doesn't have to do that is, would be a huge deal. Yeah, and, and that's where, you know, if you're comparing packages, right, <laughs> LeBron may be best buds with Carmelo or whatever, and Carmelo can get buckets and, and still get buckets in a way that, you know, Chris isn't going to do. But <laughs> defensively, as a passer, as a playmaker, yeah. uh, you know, as a guy who knows his role, I mean, Chris is clearly, a you know, at this point, I think a more useful piece than than a guy like Carmelo. Um, you know, Chris can play the two, can play the three, um, you know, probably could play some small ball four. Hasn't really had to do that in Milwaukee in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's a really nice fit, I think, on that uh, on that Cleveland team. And, you know, t- two years ago, I remember I remember p- throwing this out there and I, think, I don't know if it was during the playoffs when it was. But I mean, I, I kind of said like Cavs, the Cavs fans would never want to trade Kyrie for Chris straight up. But I thought at the time, this was in Chris's sort of breakout season, yeah. I thought Chris would help them more than, than Kyrie would in the grand scheme of things, just I've, based on the skill sets on the team. Um, and I don't think that's really changed. You know, Chris may not be Paul George defensively, but um, his competency and switchability and you know, just baseline of, of being pretty good defensively um, added to what he can do offensively. Um, I think he is a legitimate, you know, again, not a, he's not a superstar um, we'll see how he looks coming back this season, but I think he he does make a lot of sense as a t- you know if, if if the Cavs were not doing this you know in the court of public opinion, which yeah. you know obviously it, it matters, but ultimately it's it is a you know the front office has to make the decision they have to factor in uh, LeBron, but um, you know I, I do think it might be a good starting point. What were you going to say? For, I was say for a while now I've thought there are few non All Stars. Like non All Star players that could help the Cavaliers more than Chris Middleton, yeah. like just because we've talked about how and again we've both written thousands of words how the Bucks don't have him shoot enough threes. Like one, they would weaponize him offensively. In two, he would just be so helpful defensively as another wing guy, as just someone with size that can do all the thing. Again, we we were talking about it a little bit during summer league. Like just being a basketball player. Like Chris Middleton is great at being a basketball player. He can attack a closeout. He can make a pass. He can, again, Bucks, Bucks fans would say he does it too much in Milwaukee, and he certainly does. He can post up. Like he can just help you out and make you a more flexible, uh, a more malleable team. And that's just huge when, you know, you have to try to scrape the bottom of the barrel for – uh, guys on minimums and trying you're trying to scrape a team together and if you can have another guy that helps those other guys fit in better it just makes your team so much better so I've always thought Middleton would be a fantastic fit next to LeBron yeah so so something like Middleton and then as you said you know Brogdon uh, as the kind of caretaker point guard sort of can play now but also obviously is a longer term piece is really cheap um Middleton Brogdon and then I'm sure they would want you know another asset on top of that again this is what I think Cleveland would this is a deal that I think would be competitive with what Cleveland might be able to get from other teams not necessarily that the Bucks would be thrilled to do it but Chris Malcolm another whether it's a future first round pick um, whether it's I don't know if there's another asset on the roster that would make sense I mean they might view Thon as more valuable than a first round pick 
I think if you're the Bucks, you would probably not want to do that um, just because of the way Thon fits with the rest of this roster. Um, but but yeah, I think it, probably something like that. Um, and I don't know. I mean, so I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you first. If Kobe Altman, new Cavs GM, I now know his name. If he calls Eric name GM of the Milwaukee Bucks up tomorrow and says, all right, I've got three deals from around the league. I like them. I like two of them. But if you offer me Chris Middleton, if you offer me Malcolm Brogdon and you give me a lottery protected 2018 first round pick, you can have Kyrie Irving. What does Eric name say? Whew. There are few stands of Chris Middleton bigger than Eric name. Um, man, that's really difficult. I think I ultimately have to do it just because Chris, as much as I love Chris Middleton, I, I do think Kyrie Irving is a, a tier above him as a as an NBA player. The fact that he, he can have, and obviously there are major question marks uh, as far as how he'd fit in defensively and kind of how all that would work. But, I mean, when we did the Chris Middleton podcast what was the one thing i said i wanted i pull up shooting, shooting pull off up, the yeah. three <laughs> like that's what i wanted and again Kyrie isn't he isn't dame lillard he, he isn't Harden, but i think he'd probably take three to four pull up threes a game and obviously he does some more pull up shooting from the mid-range and it would be preferable if it was more from three-point range instead of uh, some of those mid-range twos that aren't the most efficient shots, but obviously Kyrie uh, shoots those at a pretty good rate. And I guess just having more creation from the point guard position, just having uh, essentially Kyrie's the the guy that I was describing in those trades, except I was mentioning probably guys a tier below where Kyrie was. So I think I would, I really do think I'd have to do it. And, I think that gives you a legitimate number two uh, to Giannis. And then uh, if you get to keep Jabari, you still have a guy that could potentially be number three. You also could have a potential disaster on your hands with having Kyrie and Jabari Parker try to defend on the same floor together. Um, But I think you would probably still have enough. But, man, that's that's really tough. That's a tough ask. But would you... If you were offered the option of instead of giving up Malcolm Brogdon and that lottery protected first, you could give up Jabari Parker instead. Would you yep. do that instead? Yep. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm kind of saying it's kind of funny. Like I, I actually don't know if if that really makes the Bucks a better team. To be honest, I think Middleton's impact generally is going to be underrated. I think Kyrie's impact is generally going to be overrated. Totally. Agree. Um. So I think you're that kind of deal, especially for a team like the Bucks that, um, you know, again, does not have a great cap situation look moving forward, has to, you know, really value its um, its its assets and and doing any deal where you're trading multiple assets away for one asset. The mere possibility that 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 the the, the main asset you're getting back might not be as good as even the key guy you're giving up, the, the one key guy you're giving up, that's that's really scary. And I think that is actually, it's actually in play. Um, but I think it's so hard. And I think the reason, the argument for it is, 
that right now Chris Middleton is is really good. The the question is Kyrie Irving does seem like he has that superstar ish or he, at least he can be closer to that type of impact. And what's so hard is I totally get why someone could also say, well, Kyrie Irving, I mean, he's not like a second year player. Like he's not going to become a great <laughs> defender next year. Yeah. He's not going to become, you know, Steph Curry next year in terms of his overall, you know, impact offensively even, which if people really look at the numbers, like he, he just doesn't impact the game as much as a guy like Steph. Um, not really close. Um, so I think it's really hard because, again, you're basically – I think the argument for it would be that you're basically arguing, well, I'm just going to – I'm just basically taking a chance that Kyrie's ceiling is, is bigger than, than those guys I'm giving up, right? Yep. And, and that Kyrie, because uh, being a point guard and being you know a guy who shoot, shot 40% from three on six attempts, he's an elite mid-range shooter, I mean – He's shot between 47 and 50% on long twos. You mean he said he probably shoots too many of them, but he is elite at it, and he can get that shot whenever he wants. Um, his skill set, I think, does complement Giannis in a really interesting way. I mean, it's ironic, right? Giannis is the most LeBron-like player in the league, um, and so it's ironic that you would want him, <laughs> want want Kyrie to complement Giannis when Kyrie apparently didn't want to play next to LeBron anymore. But again, I think a lot of that is probably just the the star power and the perception of LeBron more so than necessarily his style of play. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's really tough. I mean, you can tell it's an interesting trade possibility because I'm, I'm just going back and forth on it right now. And I would probably tend to, I mean, like I said, I, I would much prefer to try to make Jabari Parker a centerpiece of that deal. Um, and I think there's a good case to be made that in terms of value, Malcolm Brogdon and his cheap contract and his age, and again, he's a little older than Jabari, but um, but just sort of the certainty of Malcolm Brogdon plus a first round pick is a more stable, <laughs> predictable asset in terms of its value than Jabari Parker, who yep. is injury wise has huge question marks and just you know contract high. Yeah, is is he next year? You know, does he go out and get a max from some team that you have to then decide if you you match? And if you do match it, you know, have you just basically? sealed your cap inflexibility for the you know for the next three four five years in a way that prevents you from ever really um competing at at the highest level i think that's really scary so i think a lot of it again probably comes down to again your your view of jabari parker and how good he is because you're right i mean if you if you go with kyrie irving over chris middleton and, and those other pieces and you're banking on kyrie and jabari parker being two of your top three Oof scary it's it's scary yeah that's scary i think from a roster construction standpoint um so it, it it's really interesting but i would agree i think the bucks actually if they really wanted Kyrie irving i think they can actually make a really compelling package and you know again you'd get be getting Kyrie for at least two years but you'd also want to factor in the you know does would Kyrie irving be happy here um you could probably offer him a competitive you know situation in terms of being able to win games, you can offer him another star to play next to who's really good, but maybe maybe not threatening in the way LeBron is. He can go out and get his <laughs> points, and Giannis can do everything else. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's just a fascinating one. It's a fascinating scenario, I think, because again, is that question is is Kyrie Irving worth worth the hassle of of giving up multiple assets? Um, it, it's it's really tough, um, but I don't know. We'll see. But what's what's your sense? Do you think? What, let me ask this. What, what is your over-under, since we like to do this, what is your over-under on Kyrie Irving 
um, percent likelihood of being a Cleveland Cavalier on opening night. Ooh, that's really interesting. Um, I guess I would probably put it at... I think there's a 30% chance that he's a Cavalier on opening night. Just because, man, they're really in a tough spot. In uh, in kind of the same way where we were talking about how the Bucks don't really have a ton of assets and maybe Chris Middleton was the most tradable. Well, Kyrie might be their most their most tradable asset to create a sustainable future. Like if they you you can't I, I don't think you can trade LeBron. Like you, you can't actively be one a first year GM, a first month GM and decide, you know what? I'm going to trade away the best player on the planet. And again, I don't know how teams would trade for that because he's only got one year, one year left, and he's almost certainly not going to resign. So I, I don't know how you put a package together. So you're going to get ripped off on a LeBron James deal. So trading Kyrie to me is the is the best way to have some sort of future in Cleveland. And now that he's said that, I don't know if I mean we we talked about LeBron being blindsided and surprised by this and taken aback, whatever you may want to say. I don't know how well he he handles playing with Kyrie after that. If, if LeBron does seem petty enough that he he could just kind of shut Kyrie out and just say, "Okay, I don't really trust you anymore. Uh, let's let's find somewhere else." So thirty um, percent feels about right to me. I feel like it's more twice as likely or so that he would he would be gone yeah i i was gonna say between 30 and 40 percent um because because i agree i i think like i said i mean even a couple of years ago i felt like Kyrie was a guy that um that has a lot of marketability in terms of his asset value i think We're, we'll see right but i think he has a lot of value around the league or at least there are enough teams that would value him highly that you could get a lot for him and you know again if you can get potentially whether it is a guy like chris middleton or somebody similar you could potentially get a guy that you know helps you next year as much or more than Kyrie in the grand scheme of things and then maybe other stuff on top of that and we should add too you know another way to kind of make these deals work is you know the Cavs have some salary like like amon shumpert's making what 10 million a year or something like that um you know, it's easy around the the margins to to add value one way or the other. Like if the Bucks took back, you know, Amon Shumpert or something like that, and you know, for instance, if they if they added Delhi and took back Amon Shumpert, that probably is preferable for the Cavs because I don't think they see much value in Shumpert, especially if they were getting a guy like Middleton. Mm-hmm. And you know, we know that the Cavs obviously tended to have a pretty good experience with Delhi. Maybe they didn't want to pay what the Bucks paid him, but if they could get out of from under Shumpert's deal. Then, um, then maybe they'd be interested in that. So, so I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of potential pieces there. I and mean, we talk a lot about the Bucks not having tons of assets to move, but obviously, when you talk about a star player, and you know, as much as we may think Kyrie is kind of overrated, he is a star. He does have that type of ability. Um, it, it does kind of bring in more opportunities, and the Bucks are obviously unique in that you know they have some pieces that that might actually fit. And Delhi, this this would be the one. You know, big name team that might actually view Delhi in a more favorable light than than maybe some other teams. So, um, 
So I don't I don't think I don't think the Delia centerpiece is going to be anything. That's gonna <laughs> but uh, but who know who knows what GM LeBron wants and what would make GM LeBron happy? Um, maybe maybe Delavadova would be would be involved in this sort of hypothetical, completely hypothetical deal. I don't know. I'm 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 still totally torn on that sort of multi multi asset package for Kyrie. I, I just man, I, I really worry. Every if you did that. All of a sudden, talk radio would be a buzz. Bucks are going to win fifty-five games, and then they win. <laughs> the expectations. Oh. Yeah, and then they win, and then they win forty-three. And honestly, you know, all the models would probably say that they would <laughs> win like forty-three games. The models right now, I think, are putting them in somewhere in that range. Um, and and then we'd all be sitting around saying, like, "Oh, how did that not work out better?" But <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's the problem. Like, when do you, where do you take your shots? You know? Yeah, and, and star players only come around so often, and. You know, obviously, young star players, especially, only come around so often. And and how do you? When do you gamble? When do you kind of go all in to try to get a guy like that? That that's uh, I'm sure a question that that teams around the league are asking themselves right now. It's going to be fun. Uh, like I said, it's surprising that the NBA continues to surprise us, uh, but they just do. And uh, the NBA offseason continues to be the most entertaining offseason, and uh, I think that'll continue for the next couple weeks is maybe the next month who knows how long this will drag on so we'll see where it goes but that's going to be it for us on lockdown bucks again this episode was brought to you by SeatGeek. use the promo code l-o-n-b-a again l-o-n-b-a for lockdown nba to get a 20 dollars rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase that was frank madden i'm eric name this has been lockdown bucks thanks for joining us and we will talk to you uh i guess after the weekend is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.